as I was praying about this message, and it's going to be called the happiest place on earth. <laughs> you know where the happiest place on earth is? <laughs> Contrary to popular advertisement, it is not Disneyland. I remember, when was that, Sabrina, that you guys were down there? Was that in June? I remember seeing something, oh, on Facebook. Sabrina went down to Disneyland with some of other folks in our church, the Melton family, and they didn't plan it very well. They went down there during spring break, I think it was. So them, along with millions of other people, were trying to have a great time at Disneyland. And I, I chuckled at, on one of the posts that Sabrina put on Facebook. She said, this is not the happiest place on earth. <laughs> when you're waiting two hours. Hours to get on a ride, it is not the happiest place on earth. But as the people of God, there is a place in God that is the happiest place on earth. And that place is in the center of the perfect will of the Lord, is the happiest place on earth. And you know, that could be in it could be in a foreign country. It could be in a little hut in Africa. It could be where the natural conditions are not all that great and all that perfect. But if that's God's plan and God's purpose for you, it's the happiest place on earth for you. Tonight, I want to look at someone who knew about finding his happy place. You know, you may have remembered uh, the movie Peter Pan. And remember in Peter Pan where he's got his two little kids and he's trying to teach them how to fly. And he says, find your happy thought. Find your happy thought. And then you can fly. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that need to find their happy thought. So they can fly and they can soar into what God has intended for them. And again, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. God's got a place of happiness for you. He's got a place of safety, of security, of peace, of joy for all of his children. Uh, I want to start by turning over to the book of Acts. Now, this is an interesting place to start with. But as I was reading the other day in the book of Acts, I like to go and read, you know, about the day of Pentecost. But if you continue on in Acts chapter 2, there's some interesting things that the psalmist David had to say there. We know that on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 in that upper room and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of you have been filled with the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been to the cross and then you followed Jesus. You followed him all the way up to the day of Pentecost and you are filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Well, on that day, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, he happened to be in the upper room. Let me give you just a quick little Sunday school lesson. If you don't know, Peter is the one, the disciple that denied the Lord. Jesus prophesied at the last supper that there was going to be one that was sitting there with them that was going to deny him. And Peter, all of them were saying, is it I, Lord? And then he got to Peter and Peter, you know, in his heart, I'm sure he was thinking, there's no way I'd ever deny you. But Jesus said before the cock crows three times you're going to deny me thrice he prophesied that and it happened just that way and then jesus went 
And he died on the cross. He was raised from the dead as we know. The plan of salvation was fulfilled. And once he was risen from the dead, he appeared to some of the disciples. And he said to them, I want you to go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. In one of those gospels where he's talking with the disciples, he says to tell them to go to the upper room. And he said, and to make sure Peter's there. He didn't forget about Peter just because Peter had made a mistake. And there's a word in there for all of us. You may have missed it. You may have failed, but Jesus still loves you and his mercy is still extended to you. And the very fact, as you read in Acts chapter two, that Peter was the disciple that was chosen to stand up and preach at the first evangelistic rally. Can you imagine some of the thoughts of the other disciples? Lord, why does he get to be the one to preach at our first crusade? He's the one that denied you. But you know why? Because Jesus wanted to say he's a trophy of my grace. He's a testimony of what happens when you're washed in the blood of the lamb and what happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and power, you are changed into another person. So Peter did stand up and preach that day. And there were 3000 people that were born again. That's not bad for his first sermon. Hallelujah. After getting filled with the Holy Ghost. But as I was reading Peter's sermon, he began to quote something that the psalmist David said. He was referencing Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, that says in his presence is fullness of joy. But he says it a little differently. And tonight I'm going to be looking at most of these scriptures in the Amplified Version. So I want to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 25 in the Amplified Version. Again, this is Peter quoting the psalmist David. For David says in regard to him, I saw the Lord constantly before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken or overthrown or cast down from my secure and happy state. From my secure and happy state. David had acquainted himself with the Lord. And he knew because of his relationship with the Lord that he wasn't going to be shaken. He wasn't going to be overthrown and he was never going to be cast down. He had this revelation that Jesus was his source of strength, security, and stability. And he is that for every one of us, regardless if you're in elementary school, if you're in high school, if you're in college, if you're working a job, Jesus is the stability of your life. Jesus is the one that we need to build our life on. The Bible refers to him as a rock and Jesus is the rock. That doesn't roll. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. It doesn't matter what people are saying. If we are connected with Jesus, we can be safe. We can be secure. We can be stable in unstable times. And Peter and uh, David had that revelation. And then I love the last phrase of that. It says, these nothing is going to shake me overthrow me or remove me from my secure and happy state. David found his happy place and his happy place was in the presence 
of the Lord. Like I said, this is referencing Psalm 1611 that says, In his presence is fullness of joy. That's why David said, I am happy. I am secure because I've been in the presence of the Lord. And when we are in his presence, we're going to be full of joy. When we are in his presence, we are going to be happy. Hallelujah. Now skip on down to verse 28 of that same passage there. And David said this, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will enrapture me, diffusing my soul with joy, with and in your presence. I think we ought to say hallelujah. Don't you love that? He said, you, oh Lord, you enrapture me. You diffuse my soul with joy. Hallelujah. It is possible. Not only is it possible, it's God's will. And it's God's plan for us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory in our lives. As children, you shouldn't be depressed. As teenagers, you shouldn't be downcast. You shouldn't be oppressed. If you know Jesus, you've got the source of joy. Hallelujah. David said, you, O Lord, diffuse my soul with joy. Where did that come from? In God's presence and God's presence on us makes our life enjoyable being born again following after peace being in the center of god's perfect will is the happiest place on earth hallelujah now i don't want to sound religious but the happiest place and the happiest people on earth are those that do know their god it's not about riches fame fortune relationships. Some of the wealthiest people, some of the most famous people are miserable people. And they're on TV all the time and not talking about how happy they are, but their dirty laundry is aired for everybody to see. Their broken relationships, all this stuff that's happening to their, their lives falling apart. What is the lesson to be learned in that? Don't pursue the wrong things. Don't pursue possessions. Don't pursue careers. Don't pursue relationships with people to enrapture your life with joy. It's only going to come from serving the Lord. Now, possessions are not bad. God doesn't care if you have things, but they are secondary to God. We need to seek the Lord first. And when we seek the Lord first, the Bible says all these things will be added unto us. And the Bible also says when we serve the Lord, it says the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and they add no sorrow with them. People in the world know how to make money and many of them are good at it, but they don't know how to have peace and they don't know how to have joy. As believers, we can have both. The hand of the Lord is upon you to bless you. He's not opposed to his children being blessed. Hallelujah. If you're sitting in here as a young person and you feel God wants you to pursue a career in medicines, perhaps a doctor, perhaps a lawyer, and they make a 
good living. There's nothing wrong with that. Pursue what's in your heart, but give God the glory and seek the Lord first. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, David said this in verse 28 again. Look at this first phrase. You have made known to me the ways of life. I don't know if these verses are speaking to you, but they really spoke to me. They're powerful. David said, you have made known to me the ways of life. What is this saying to us? David discovered how to live. God has good life in mind and in store for us. There's a way to live and enjoy life. And he discovered it. Jesus came that all of us may have and enjoy life. Familiar passage of scripture, John 10, 10 in the amplified version. This is what Jesus came to give us. It says that the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said this, I came that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Doesn't that sound awesome? Have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance till it overflows. Overflowing with what? Problems, grief, tragedy, agony, sickness. No, overflowing with joy. Overflowing with the goodness of God. I heard Joyce Meyer say this years ago and I can't improve upon it. I loved it. She said one of the definitions of enjoy is literally relish. To relish. And she gave the illustration. Now, if you don't like relish, just be quiet. But she gave the illustration. You can have a hot dog and you can eat it just plain, plain and bland. Don't put mustard. Don't put ketchup. Don't put anything on it. Yuck. It's not going to taste very good. But if you load up that dog with some mustard and ketchup and relish, what does relish do? It adds flavor to the hot dog. And what Jesus is saying here, I want to add some flavor to your life. I don't want you to have a boring life. I don't want you to go through life just bland and plain. Nothing ever happening good to you. He said, get hooked up with me and I will cause you to enjoy life. I'll add some relish to your life. I'll add some flavor to your life. I'll give you some zest before living. Amen. That's what Jesus came to do. And if you've accepted him, you know, that's exactly what he did. He's got some awesome things in store for those that will serve him. For those that will get on the path of righteousness, he's got some wonderful things planned for you. I don't have any new far out revelation tonight. Thank God I don't. But this is the word of the Lord. We want to look at another familiar scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And again, we're going to be looking at this in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Give you a minute just to get there. I'll take a drink of water. Everybody still here? Kids, y'all doing good. You're being so quiet and so attentive. I appreciate that. 
All of you have been so well behaved. Praise the Lord. That's for every kid, even those that are 80. Thank God. <laughs> well, most of them are being well behaved. Paying attention. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork. Don't you just love that? His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the hard life, living the life full of sorrow, living an unhappy life, What kind of life did he take out time to plan for us? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. This verse is power packed. First of all, it says we are God's handiwork. That means every person in here, God puts some thought. He put some plan. He thought about how to make you who you are. There is not a conveyor belt in heaven. There's not an assembly line where we all come down the same way and he just stamps and puts a number on us and we are identical. Look around the room. No, but two people in here are the same. God has a lot of unique creations. Some of them are really unique, but you know, they're God's children. Hallelujah. And just think about that. He said we are his handiwork. Especially women are the handiwork of God. Now, men, basically with men, he squeezed them out of dirt. What can we say? But with women, he took some time. He took a rib out of man and he formed them and he shaped them. And, you know, I've heard Pastor Mark say this, that when Adam opened up his eyes after God created woman, the reason we're called woman is he went, whoa, man. <laughs> Because we're special. I got to get some amens in here, all of the ladies tonight. Amen. But every one of us are God's special creation. Every one of us are the handiwork of the Lord. And every single one of us, he has a good life that he has prearranged for us. God is not up in heaven saying, I love you. I love you not. I don't like you very much. And you know, I really love brother Jimmy, but there is something about Tom Hernandez that just ticks me off. I got a good life for brother Jimmy, but I'm telling you, PT here, oh, Tom Hernandez, I'm going to make sure he has a hard life. No, God loves us all the same. God's got good things in store for every single one of us. He's planned awesome things for us. This says before we were ever born, he prearranged some things. Now we are not robots. God, again, he doesn't have an assembly line. He didn't create us to go praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No, he wasn't looking for robots. He created man with a something called a free will. That means we have the right to choose the good life 
or we have the right to go down our own path. And when we choose to go down our own path, that's when life is hard. That's when life is difficult. We understand that. But God wants good things for all of us. If we will learn to listen to him and develop the inner man. See, the Bible says God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So look at your neighbor right now. Look at them and say, I don't really see you. We don't see the real person. I don't really see Pat here. Pat's beautiful. The house she lives in is beautiful. But you know what? On the inside, I bet she's really a babe. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) She is on the outside too. But you know what? This is the house. This is the vehicle that we carry the real person around in. Uh, The real person is our spirit man. When we get born again, that's where the change occurs. We become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And when we hook up with that plan of salvation, that's when we just take the first step to getting on the right road. We get on the right road when we get born again. And when we get born again, you know what happened? God sets things in motion. And if we stay on the right path, we will intercept those things that he has prearranged for us. Now, the reason a lot of people don't intercept those things that he has prearranged for us is because we take detours. We get off of the path. We do our own thing. We might, you know, decide that we're going to go this way. And God's going, no, 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 no. Don't go right. Go left. I got a divine appointment for you over there. I've got the favor of the Lord for you over there. Don't go that way. But again, because we have this thing called a free will, we can make wrong turns in life. We can make detours that sometimes cause us to miss that prearranged blessing. But don't get so sad because the good news is even if we've made detours and every one of us have, even if we've hit some bumps in the road, thank God when we repent, when we say, oh, Jesus, I'm tired of doing this myself. I'm tired of going my own way. Oh, hallelujah. It just takes a moment and he gets us right back, right back in line. For the blessings of the Lord. I want to encourage you tonight. Stay connected to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the head of the church. And you know what the head does? The head is the one that's in charge of the body functioning. Without your brain saying, move your hand. Your hand can't move by itself. It has to come Through the head. So when we stay connected with the head, hallelujah, he helps us to function. He helps us to stay in our place called there. God, through his spirit, has made known to us who we are in Christ Jesus. What we possess in him and where we fit in the body of Christ. Every single one of us have a place and have a destiny. Remember, we talked a little bit about David. Most of you will remember the story of David. How many of you know the story about David? David was a shepherd boy. He was unnoticed and ill-esteemed by his own father. 
The prophet showed up at his house and said, God told me that the king is among one of your sons. He went down through the whole lot of them. And the spirit of God kept saying, not him, not him, not him. David was just a young boy out tending the sheep. So insignificant that his father and brothers hadn't even told him that the prophet was coming to the house. But let me tell you, regardless of your age, God sees where you're at. People may say you're insignificant. People might say you don't have anything to offer. You don't have any gifts or talents. But God doesn't look on the outside. God doesn't look according to your age. God looks according to the heart. And God saw a heart in David that was after him. And he was anointed to be king. Now we know that David, he had a destiny upon him. And even though he had this destiny, he had some giants to slay. And I'm not talking about the San Francisco giants. That would have been a lot easier than the giants that he had to face. He had some bumps. He had some tests, but you know what? Even Saul had plots out to kill him, but something held David steady. He knew who he was. He knew what he was anointed to do. He had the hand of the Lord upon him. He had the word from God that said, you're going to be king some day. He had God's presence and God's peace upon him. And that kept him anchored in those difficult times. I'm not telling you that just because you get on the right path, there won't be some bumps. There won't be some chug holes. There won't be some obstacles that the devil throws in your path. But when you know who you are, when you got that peace on the inside of you, when the presence of the Lord is enlightening your way, when your soul is infused with the joy of the Lord because you have found your happy place. Then you are not moved by all of those, all those distractions and all those hindrances. You just keep chugging along because you know you're in the perfect will of God. And even, excuse me, even when you're in the perfect will of God, you will have opportunity to quit. You will have opportunity to say, it's not worth it. This is too difficult. This is too hard. Perhaps you've started out on a path of education. There's something that you know on the inside of you that God has called you to do. And God's called people to be out in the marketplace. God's called people to serve in different capacities. Did you know that the people that stand behind the pulpit are very small percent of the body of Christ? Most of the body of Christ are what we call laymen. And they are anointed on their vocations. They are anointed to reach people wherever God plants them. So don't ever be little if you've got something on the inside of you that's percent that's saying get an education i want you to be this kind of a professional you go for it and don't let it be deterred just because it might be hard or it might be difficult stay grounded david had to stay grounded he had to stay focused He knew what his purpose was. If you know that you know on the inside of you, stay with your purpose. Stay with 
the plan. I, I'm going to just take a little side journey here. Y'all still with me? I don't know what time I started. Some of you know my testimony. Some of you, especially you young ones, you don't even probably even really know who I am. Pastor Mark and I have different testimonies. He's told his before how he was a drug addict, got born again. But I grew up in a really good Christian home in rural Oklahoma. And from the time I was a little girl... I don't even remember. I was probably like five or six when I asked Jesus into my heart. I don't remember not ever loving him. And some of you precious young ones in here, I've seen you grow up in church and it's the same with you. And don't ever lose that love that you have for Jesus. I'll tell you boldly that the best testimony that I've ever heard is someone that has served Jesus all of their life. Not known the ways of sin, not had to go out and get, you know, get delivered from all of this stuff. People, when I was growing up, some of the teenagers thought, well, I got to go out and do something terrible. So I'll have a testimony. No, the best testimony is that God's keeping power. If you were here today, you saw mother Pauline. She's 101 years old. Love Jesus all of her life. And he has kept her. That's the kind of life you want to have. That's the kind of testimony that you want to have. But as a little girl, I can remember I was, I was like 11 years old when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. But even before I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I had this sense. I had this knowing on the inside of me that I was going to be called into the ministry. And then when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, it just grew. See, when you get filled with the Spirit, your path gets more light on it. And there was more light that shined. And I knew that I needed to pursue the call of God. Right out of high school, I went away and I went to a Bible college. And I only attended there one year. My mother got very sick. I came home and started helping take care of my mother. And uh, at age 20, she, she was doing some better. So at age 20, I moved to Tulsa. And while I was living in Tulsa, I started attending the church where Rama Bible Training Center at that time was meeting. This was only the second year of Rama. So I became friends with a lot of people that were going to Rama. And I had purposed in that fall of 1975. Yeah, I'm really old. That way back when, 1975, I was already 20 years old. Think of it. But anyhow. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, that, well, yeah, I was. Anyway, uh, I was planning to go to Rama. But on my 21st birthday, my mother had surgery and we were given the news that it was terminal cancer. That's not a happy birthday. You're 21 years old. You're, you got zeal and zest for life. You're living in Tulsa. You're planning to go to Raymond to school the next fall. And on September the 11th, you get this news that your mother has terminal cancer. So I immediately moved back home again to help my dad care for her. And I had all these books on faith and healing. I grew up in a wonderful Pentecostal church, but one that didn't really teach a lot on faith and healing. And so I got armed with all of this material. My mother was very sick, but I would sit at her bedside and I'd read her all these things on healing, all these things on faith. That was September. I was expecting that she was going to come up off of that bed and be healed. That's what I was expecting. But on January 5th, 1976, my mother at the age of 51 died. 
and that'll shake your faith. I was 21 years old, wasn't married, and it shook me. And I still remember laying across my bed and saying, God, I don't know if this healing stuff is real. My mother loved you more than anybody I knew on this earth. She was a godly woman and she died. God, what's going on here? I was shaken to the core. Wasn't going to turn my back on God. I knew I'd always love God. But I tell you, I did not think I wanted to go to that school that preached faith and healing. Because it didn't work for my mom. But folks, I want to tell you, even when you have questions, even when you hit bumps in the road, if you will press into God. And I knew enough to do that. I knew enough to just pray in the Holy Ghost. I knew enough, like David said, to get in the Lord's presence and have his presence get on me. And that's what I did. I just day after day and night after night when I felt like crying myself to sleep. And some nights I did. But still, I would get in God's presence. And he would come and he would minister to me. And the more I would get in his presence, I just kept having this peace. I just kept having this pull. You go to Ramah. Don't let that dream die. Go to Ramah. And one time it was even so strong on me. The Lord said, I'll answer your questions there. Go to Ramah. And then my father, he was so precious. I have two younger brothers. Ricky was 17 when my mom died. My other brother was 14. So he had these two young boys at home. But I, and I was feeling torn. Maybe I should wait a year. Maybe I should stay and help my dad with the boys. But my dad was a man of God. He came to me and he said, Honey, God's will for your life is not going to be put on hold. I've known since you were a little girl that you are called of God. This is your destiny. And you are going to go. I'll be okay. The boys will be okay. And then he said, I'm going to pay your full tuition. You're going. Because my reason for moving to Tulsa the year before is I was working and saving up money. But my dad so graciously paid. Folks, the story doesn't end there. It was difficult. It was not easy to press through grief and to press through questions and do what I had on the inside to do. But it wasn't long that I was sitting in the classrooms there and the questions began to be answered. I don't need to go into it, but I'm at peace with what happened with my mom. And I know it wasn't God's fault. But the other major reason that I needed to be there that year when I moved into those apartments across the street from that school, the landlord said, there's a young man (laughs) that has moved in the apartments beneath you. Perhaps you should check on him. He doesn't have a car. He didn't move hardly any furniture in there. And so, you know, I'm just a nice, sweet little country girl. I knocked on the door that August of 1976. And as they say, the rest is history. (laughs) My destiny was there. 
And I couldn't have waited a year. Rhema was only one year at that time. If I had waited a year, I would have missed my divine appointment. Folks, follow peace. Get on the right road and stay on the right road. And you will intersect God's divine plan and purpose for your life. I don't want to go all night, but I do want to look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 in the NIV. That was a side journey. Don't take it off of my time. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven in the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And a future. God knows what he has planned for you. And their plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Their plans to give you hope. And a future. Too many youth are without vision for their lives. Oh, it's sad when you hear people graduating from high school. And you're like, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. No clue. You might not know the whole picture, but pursue something. Get in school. Pursue something that you have a desire to do. God's got bright plans for every son, every one of us. If your future seems dark and you don't know what to do or which way to turn, let the sun of light flood your path with light. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Psalms, he will enlighten my darkness. If you're in the dark about your next step, get close to the light. Hallelujah. And he will show you what to do. Now it says here, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. That's wonderful that God knows the plans that he has for us. But how do we know the plans that he has for us? It's great to know that he's got this awesome thing in mind for us. But we need to be able to tap into it. Well, the answer is found in verse 12 and verse 13 of this same chapter. How do we know God's plan? Look at this. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. The next verse says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's how we find out God's plans. He's not hiding them from us. He's hiding them for us. So you just get in God's presence and begin to seek him. If you truly want to know what he wants you to do with your life, he's not going to hide it from you. He's not going to withhold it from you. He wants to show you all we're required to do is to ask Jesus into our heart to live according to his word. Get on that path of righteousness and then diligently seek The Lord and he will show you what you need to know and the steps that you need to take. Hallelujah. You know, that's enough for tonight. I don't want to go on and on and on. So let's just let's just all bow our heads right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you.
Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Now, what I want the rest of you to do is stretch forth your hand. And many of you that can, some of you, you young people, come on and crunch in here. Some of you just begin to come up and surround them, get behind them. And we're going to pray. We're fusing the generations. Thank God for the passion and the enthusiasm enthusiasm of these young people and we commit as elders in this church we commit to help impart wisdom to you as you go on your journey in life now some of you 30-ish you go ahead and lay hands on these children in front of you that's why I wanted them in front praying generation to generation hallelujah hallelujah Oh, Lord, we thank you for these precious lives represented here. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one of them. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one of these precious ones. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon them for good. Thank you, Lord, that your plan, your will, and your purpose shall be fulfilled in every one of these lives. Pastor Kimberly, can you get up here and just start touching these? Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, precious. These precious ones. Oh, God. I thank you for their lives. I thank you, Lord, that they are so breaking. That I'm called up. Oh, that you hook them up with the right people. Thank you, Father, for the right relationships. Thank you for their divine destiny. Their divine destiny coming to them in the name of Jesus. Oh, that they intercept. They intercept those things that you have prearranged and planned for them. Oh, good things in store. Oh, their destiny. Oh, Father, you these are handmaidens of the Lord. These are precious daughters of God. Father, I thank you that you bring the right men into their lives in the name of Jesus. Godly men. Godly men come to these precious handmaidens of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Blessed of the Lord to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Your purpose shall stand. Your purpose shall stand. No deters. The will of God established. Use them for your glory. Use them for your glory. Use them for your glory. Thank you for the gifts and the talents you placed on the inside of these, Father. May they be used mightily for your glory, for your purpose. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Father. All the gifts and the talents of Rakasa. These men of God, we declare it. They are mighty men of valor. They are men of God and they will be used in their field. They will be used in their careers to be a light, to be a light for you in the name of Jesus. To be a light that shines in a dark place. Hallelujah. For your glory, for your honor, hallelujah. Jesus, hold her close. Infuse into her how much you love her, how precious she is to you, how valuable she is to you. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This love on her. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Your plan, your purpose for them shall stand. No detours. In the name of Jesus, their callings will come run to call them and position them. Pulling them right into your perfect will. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.